Hey, everybody. Uh, this is the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast with me. I'm Tom. And uh, today is January, Friday, the 13th, 2023. And here we have a, a student from... No, when did you when did you graduate? I should look on there and see. It was 2012, 2013? 2013, yeah. 2013. So about a year ago or 10 years ago, a decade ago now. Um, Travis. Travis is uh, uh, a student who I got to know with uh, a bunch of classes, um, riding up to CCDC in Chicago, if I remember correctly. Uh, there's there's one thing I remember, actually. I think I remember driving, I don't remember if it's one of the times I drove my wife's minivan. And I remember sitting in the front seat and they we were listening to the local radio. And you remember what I'm gonna you know what I meant to say? I know exactly what you're okay. about to say. Okay. Yeah. And and they came up and they said something about, you know, you're listening to classic rock radio station, and then Nirvana came on and we you were kind of like, classic rock is not Nirvana. And I was like, Well, you're right, but I guess that means uh I'm getting old. And it's 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 happened, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, it was mainly just, it, it hurt me too, just to know <laughs> that like this music I grew up listening to is suddenly classic rock. I didn't know really how to take it. <laughs> well, times move on, I guess. And, and yeah. the you know, our ages keep going up and, and our, our music keeps getting older and older, but, but yep. alas, we can still keep up with technology and uh, find a ways to be current and hopefully relevant in our lives even if our music is ancient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So Travis, Travis, um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are from, and kind of like what you like to do outside of tech stuff. And then we will start talking about your your schooling and, and what you've done since. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Travis Cooper, uh, as Tom mentioned, I graduated uh, SIU in 2013. Um I, I currently reside in Swansea, Illinois, um, mainly, mainly been around the central Illinois area for the last 20 years of my life for the most part. So um been working in the St. Louis region for the last decade since graduating college. And um, my current life uh, outside of work is mainly just revolved around my family. I spend a lot of time with my young children and um, just recently started playing music again with some friends. So that's that's been something I'm doing like once or twice a month, just getting to jam with some guys. So. Um, but other than that, yeah, just just spend time with the kids and my wife. And you were a drummer, right? Yeah, yep. That's what yeah, I thought. Still, it's been good. I haven't I haven't picked up the sticks in almost a decade, so it was, it was nice to finally get to do that a little bit again. That's cool. Now you can't see it here, but I have a a banjo that I I started playing back when I was uh, probably twenty nineteen eighteen, and uh, and and I have it, and I recently ordered a new bridge for it, so. I've got it and I ordered new picks and stuff. So I'm going to be getting back into that. So maybe this will be like a, maybe I can create after I, I, I get a little better an intro, like a really sweet banjo roll uh, that, that I can do as an intro to this uh, probably. I, yeah. I'd I love to hear it. I think it'd work. <laughs> yeah, right? I'd love to hear it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you, uh, you started out at Lakeland college, right? Um Yep. Tell us about that. I mean, I guess first, let's go further. Have you always been interested in technology? Like growing up, did you were you a, a computer geek? Uh, what kind of stuff got you interested in technology? Yeah, I have been my entire life. My my dad um, was into computers back before they were like a thing that people had. Um, so okay. he he got a degree in mathematics, ma mathematics and computer science and then uh, aerospace engineering. Wow. Uh, and so he 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 did his job was computer programming. So he he programmed um, simulations and and things that would actually do um, run tests on jet engines in a uh, wind tunnel. So he worked for Boeing and then was was contracted from Boeing through the to the Air Force and worked on Air Force Base, literally running the tests on on new engines and new plane components in in uh wind tunnels so so we've we have i've had computers in my house basically since i can remember because he's had you know he's had little workstations around the house since since i was born we were one of the first families that i know of to have the internet we got the internet in like 93 94 whenever it first kind of turned on for personal use and so was that like pri uh, uh prodigy and CompuServe and that type of thing no, I mean like a local ISP probably. A I don't think ISP. I don't remember okay. us ever having a like one of the big ones other than you know getting the discs in the mail and using them for coasters. But um, yeah, but we uh, 
we definitely um you know i've had the internet since forever i remember playing quake online in like 97 and um my first job was actually for my dad my dad quit his programming job for a while and ran a radio shack and computer store and uh, so i did i did bench tech work in that store when i was like 13 and 14 just you know fixing people's computers that came in so yeah as far back as basically as far back as i can i can remember i've been a fan of it I, i didn't really think about having a career in it though until um i i took a spin at um political science yeah. right after right after college and and really quickly decided that that was ter- a terrible idea so i i um ended up back working a help desk job in for a local isp in central illinois and uh that's what really what started and they they sent me through lakeland um and then tried to get me to stay but lakeland kind of taught me that there was more money out there than help desk <laughs> Right, right. So, so you're, uh, uh, you were one of Scott Ryan's students, right? Yep. Yep. Scott's a good guy. Yeah. He, uh, he basically opened my eyes to the the wide world of IT a little bit bigger than I had ever really seen it, you know, outside of just being a tinker and fixing my own stuff and some people's stuff I knew. Right. And then that bench job. And, uh, one of, I'm a huge, huge proponent of our, of our, um, kind of partner, community colleges, I think, um, with some of the associate and applied sciences degrees that, um, that the, the, the stuff that has, that has changed in the improvements and just the innovation that some of the community college teaching in the area of IT and electronics and, you know, kind of those, that sphere is really neat. Um, and it brings us, uh, at SIU transfer students who are really well prepared to, to take what we're doing and, uh, run with it and get the most out of it. Um, so coming from, you know, one of those community colleges with a great instructor and or set of instructors is, is huge. Is there anything about your time at, at Lakeland that specifically sticks out or you remember or you want to speak to? Yeah, I mean, so we did the CCDC at Lakeland too. And that was, um, I think that was really one of the times where I kind of got got it in my mind that this could be a, a a fun career and security specifically would be something that I wanted to focus on. So um, I was on the CCC team there, I think two years and then um, wanted to, that, that, that led me to kind of further my career at SIU. Um, so, okay. you know, the classes were all good, you know, they were standard, you know, the, the, a lot of them were geared towards, uh, teaching you how to be like a network administrator at like a manufacturing plant. You know, that's, that's where a lot of the students that just, that, you know, get their degrees from Lakeland kind of end up as, you know, local, local business and manufacturing. So a lot of, a lot of entry-level network administration and some server administration work, but it, uh, you know, definitely let me know that I knew nothing. <laughs> I went in feeling like I knew a lot and then those classes kind of proved me wrong. And you were, uh, were you on some of those, those teams when Lakeland was coming down to SIU for our cybersecurity day and doing the CCDC? I thought so. I thought so. I was before, it was before the cybersecurity day. We definitely, we came down twice to do the contest, but we didn't, I think that was, I think the year you started the cybersecurity day was the year after I graduated SIU. Okay. Actually. So. Yeah. We, it's been a while. We need to bring that back now that we've got less COVID restrictions and stuff, but yeah. But that was a lot of fun. So, so good, good experience at Lakeland. Um, shout out to uh, to Scott Ryan, um, good guy, good instructor. Um, Absolutely. And you come to SIU, um, and and you start taking our IST classes. Uh, like I said, I remember having you probably in both security classes and the network administration class. I remember specifically you had sitting in the back row with the other guys in the network administration 415 class where you had to build that network topology. Uh, who else was in your group? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, Alex, um, Brian. Arnold? Uh, yeah, Brian Arnold. Uh, who else was in the group? Uh, Tim Weebler, maybe. Okay. Um. I don't remember if we had five, but I know That's, for sure Alex, Alex, Tim, and Brian were and I were the on that on that team in four fifteen, four sixteen. That was a solid group. Yeah, it was a good group, definitely. And and I'm sure I, I don't know I I know I know what Tim's up to. I got a Christmas card from his family, uh, and he's also got a, a little girl. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the others, Brian and and Alex, I I've lost touch with, but. Um, but yeah, so so you took some classes at SIU. Anything in particular at SIU? that you that sticks out as something that you really enjoyed or was unique or um, helped, I guess, as you were preparing to get into the, the 
IT career field? Well, those classes you're talking about specifically, I mean, the, the, the hands-on like enterprise IT classes and 415, 416, those were, those were invaluable. And, and something I don't think a lot of IT students get a, get to experience actually getting their hands on doing IT work. And, you know, there's a lot of theoretical classes and stuff where you have handheld labs, but literally being given like a list of things that you need to accomplish and then being set free to do it. That's, that was a totally different experience and something that I think prepared me more than a lot of people that I've met in my career that had other IT degrees didn't really have the the chance to do. So it gave me a little bit of a leg up over some other, you know, students coming into the, to the career field because I already had hands-on experience with a lot of this work. And it's fun. It's more fun that way. I think. Oh, it was a lot of fun. A yeah. lot more fun to teach too. I'm uh, sure. <laughs> we've, you know, we, we have uh, got this kind of uh, upcoming potential initiative where they might try to start taking um, control over our labs um, and, and making it so that students are kind of sandboxed in and are, are not having the, uh, you know, the bare metal access to um, some of our, our equipment, which is kind of concerning. Hopefully we can do it in a way that's not going to, you know, remove those, those benefits of, of you guys kind of having just to do with what you want, the systems in front of you. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just kind of impossible to accomplish certain things when you don't have the ability to do it with the permissions that you need with admin rights, but, but that's yeah, but at the same time, you know, a lot depending on the on the type of uh, company that somebody goes into after college like I, i've i've spent most of my time working in pretty large enterprises so uh it's rare for me to have physical access to the data center or oh, yeah. already in my gear right you know i might get it to my desk in advance where i can do some pre-configuration before it gets racked and stacked but i'm not um it's not it's not uncommon for me to have to do all the physical work through like a chat with somebody that's in the data center yeah because i just don't have access to do it until they're until it's you know connected to a console port and i can you know console in so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of you know that where you know the same you could this could teach students a little bit you know how to do things remotely where you're you know or, or you know even having conversations and through tickets with with an with a data center person right so yeah but you know that that only covers the enterprises you know you so i agree you know that it's concerning because a lot of students don't end up in a you know twenty thousand plus person company For where sure. you have that restriction so definitely yeah. definitely and it, it's you know something in process and we'll we'll figure out the hiccups yeah for um, sure so you graduate from SIU, and that's 2003 or so. And first, right out of college, uh, you end up at Deloitte, correct? That's right. Yeah. So I had an, I had my internship with Deloitte, um, and I did uh, like some security uh, test, like auditing and testing, like, like kind of like penetration testing. But it was most of the stuff I worked on was um, follow up. So the the main tests were been done, and we were basically just recreating some tests that had failed. Um, and I did a lot. I did some business uh, controls auditing and IT controls auditing. And then I got hired into the position that was supposed to be security auditing and ended up doing uh, ended up being IT auditing. So I was doing like SOX, Sarbanes-Oxley and um, the SOC 2 uh, controls testing. So going in and to, to an external company and, and going over a list of controls and having them present evidence on, on how the controls are, are being enforced and, and, you know, prove that they're actually working. So um eye-opening job to say the least it was it was it was de definitely something that you know i don't think we touched on a lot of you know the control standpoint or regulatory requirements that you deal with in, in enterprises um in school and it's hard to because you know it depends on the there's so many <laughs> regulatory bodies and stuff. it's right. hard to touch on them all but you know getting to actually see some of that stuff up close i think was actually really really good for me from a you know, from an entry level standpoint, because I know now a lot of the stuff that I learned from that job is something that I stuff I have to deal with on a daily basis is, you know, making sure, you know, X control meets the requirements for, you know, for you know, whatever regulatory body I'm following. So, you know, recently for me, that had been HIPAA, but, you know, there's you, you basically everything you're doing in security is in a lot of ways meeting those, re those regulatory requirements. So, um, seeing them laid out in, in controls and how that ties into the to the business and especially the financials was actually really eye opening and kind of a um, I think a cool view that not a lot of people get. The job was terrible, frankly, but the, it was a good, it was an interesting 
it was definitely something that was good a good one year experience yeah no i i think that's 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 so true and and we have a in the uh, the 460 enterprise security and apps class, um, I've had some speakers recently from SIU um, and elsewhere come and talk about GRC and um, auditing and SOC specifically, and some of the things that SIU audits for. And uh, you know, I think having somebody who or having experience of being that auditor, um, because I've been in 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 situations where I've had to deal with uh, talking with auditors and you know verifying the stuff they want to verify um and it's gets to be where you're thinking sometimes is why am i doing this you know this is a pain in the butt can't we just live you know Mm -hmm. can't we just be and and so you know i've i've seen and and also you know i've seen how um you know i work i worked for arthur anderson a long long time ago when i was an undergrad before they got shut down with the enron so i got to work around a lot of auditors and tax people and things like that and on-site auditors. And, you know, that's, it can be very adversarial um, yeah. at times, which, which, which stinks, but, but I'm sure now when you get, you know, somebody coming in and asking to help you, you, you help them meet some audit findings and things you understand and probably, you know, jump right up and put everything else on hold to immediately help the auditor at their request. Right. I would go that far, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely am a lot more uh, understanding about what they're trying to do. Um, you know, there are good auditors and bad auditors, just like there's sure. good, you know, people and bad people in every in every profession. But there's, you know, there's there's definitely. Be- I think because having seen it from the other side, I definitely kind of know what they're saying. And a lot of, a lot of the conversation with auditors, I think, happens with they're speaking a different language than you sometimes, where they're talking more from, you know, the a lot of times more of the business side or the control business controls. Right. And and you as an IT person may not necessarily understand exactly what they're what they're saying or they're using, you know, really cryptic like legalese and stuff to describe the control where, you know, you have a definition from IT side. So there's a lot of like miscommunications and stuff that ends up I think leading to a lot of that contention typically. But you know, in the end they're there to help. Right. Yeah. They're there to make sure that, you know, you're not going to expose yourself or your company to any sort of legal issues. So or or at least you've done the stuff that you need to to mitigate or reduce the risk of that happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, very true. And and, uh, you know, it is like kind of an unsung hero type of career, I think, um, you know, uh, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Somebody's got to do it. And and, you know, you you think about like HIPAA versus uh, socks versus PCI. And, and, you know, you've got different auditors coming in and certain ones have hugely, you know, specific technical things like, like PCI, I'm thinking of more as being technical stuff that you might be, you know, right up ready to discuss and prove. Whereas socks, they might be saying, Hey, you know, you show me, show me where within, you know, the business management workflow of this tool, these things here happen. And, and that can be, kind of abstract um and and challenging especially for you know those who are just you know in the tech mindset all definitely the time. but definitely so yeah you spent your time there was there a lot of traveling uh, a little most of my traveling was for like training actually i didn't i didn't do any uh, I, didn't I did one trip for work um i went to kansas city to do an audit on the uh casinos there so the the harris oh. owned casinos brands um Deloitte did the um the Missouri state like quarterly audits on them and and that was that was actually one of the cooler ones I did that was not IT related cuz you know you got to like walk around on the the casino floor and follow like a security guy around and and make sure that they're following you know doing certain things with the chips and and the dice and making sure that they're doing handing off the money appropriately and everything it was it was cool to to see how the casinos go about this once yeah <laughs> but uh it was you know um that was a, that was the only work trip i did uh, otherwise it was all just training with chicago a lot and uh texas a few times because their uh deloitte's main training headquarters is down in texas so if you did a big training you they sent everybody down to texas for that so did you have the opportunity i just looked it up to uh to get it get into the missouri bell river casino river casino um uh, you know, no, one, I did uh, just the Harris in uh, Harris in Kansas City. This is specifically the one featured in the show Ozark. 
Uh, oh, definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> if if you watch that show, I don't know if you saw Ozark. Good I show. have not. No, it's on the watch list still, but you know, so many things are. <laughs> yeah, so they they create a casino in Missouri. So okay, that's the deal there. Gotcha. Spoiler alert: not going to ruin anything, but go. But there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So after after Deloitte, um, how long were you at Deloitte? A year and a half, something like that. Eleven months. Eleven months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you know that's not uncommon. People come out and they get a good job offer, offer and and they take it and then they find it's definitely not what they're they're interested in and and then you look for something else and nobody can hold that against you you know yeah um or they shouldn't um so you no, move on you move on from a, a an audit role to a role with AT&T right yep yeah so that role with AT&T was actually through uh their their college entry hire program so they you have to be within 12 months of graduation of college to do it. So okay. uh, I just skirted into that requirement, but um, um, so they, their entire program is fairly similar to Boeing's, which I know a lot of, you know, we've had a lot of students from SIU go to the, through the Boeing education program. So mm-hmm. basically it's a little bit of a rotation uh, or can be a rotation. Um, um, Boeing's is, was mandatory. I don't know if it still is, but um, AT&T's was kind of, you could rotate every 12 months if you want to. I stayed in the same same team the entire time I was there, but it was uh, the team I was on was responsible for all of the uh, like internal firewalls to the mobility network and, and um, the U like the Uverse network um, Which as was well. The, as, that was the cable stuff, right? The cable. Yeah, that was their, that was their TV before they bought direct TV and started doing that. But um, then we also did the DDoS tools. So, so AT&T is being one of the largest, network providers in the, in the world mm-hmm. um they they have a ddos prevention tool that they could predict their customers or other customers with as well so um this mix of uh, arbor networks and okay. radware devices okay um and then we had some juniper srx firewalls that were doing like uh, dns black holing for so basically the way that most of the ddos prevention stuff works is it's all you know building a uh, sort of profile on the traffic so it knows what the the normal traffic looks like mm-hmm. and then it looks for anomalies and then you know you can turn on if the protection's turned on any anomalous traffic it's basically sent to dns black hole that that's effectively how all the dns prevention technologies work depending no matter what company is doing it or what hardware they're using they basically just look for anomalies and then black hole the traffic the, the, the bad traffic so that way good traffic can still flow makes sense makes sense so yeah. And um, was that um, you said it was somewhat in-house, but also collaborate with Arbor and Radware? Well, so we 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 owned a bunch of Arbor and Radware de- uh, devices. So okay. um, basically, every data center, AT and T data center, had had some Arbor and Radware devices in it. So no matter where the traffic was flowing through, you know, it could actually fit, send it through those devices. So. Um, so we, our team maintained those. We didn't do any of the customer relationships or any, any of the customer specific configurations. We were just kind of like the, the admins for the devices for the entire network. So, um, there was a SOC team that did that. Like that was a customer facing SOC team that actually managed the customer configurations and relationships. But yeah, so we just, we just maintained the relationship with Arbor and Radware and then configure the devices, you know, get them set up and hand it over to the SOC. Awesome. Let's move on. So you then go to a new location, a new facility. How long were you at AT&T? Uh, two and a half years, I think, because okay. I started in 14 and left at the end of 16. So yeah, two and a half years. Awesome. And then you yeah. go to Centene. Yeah, Centene. That was, that's the longest I worked for any place in my life. Um, <laughs> so Centene is a, probably the, the largest company that most people don't know the name of um so it's a it's a managed services healthcare provider so they your health insurance uh provider so they do basically government ran insurance programs so they you know the government is bad at running a lot of things um and so uh medicaid medicare uh for instance they they most governments don't run that themselves most state governments don't run their medicaid programs themselves the federal government doesn't run most of medicare themselves um, they they farm that out to insurance companies to to basically manage the plans and you know handle claims and everything. So um, Centene is one of the largest providers for that. It's the largest dedicated provider that does nothing but that pretty much. Um, so 
um, Fortune 24, I think, is what we're what Centene's at now. So 24th largest company in America, and uh, no one knows their name. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a it was a big company when I when I started. There was 20,000 employees. Uh, when I left, there was 100,000. So there's a significant wow. amount of growth over five years. Um, which uh, if if anyone gets to experience a company that, that considers themselves a growth company, just buckle in because it is a uh, nonstop roller coaster and 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 changes and to policies and and you know goals and everything on a monthly basis it seems like so um it was definitely really um you if you wanted stability or just to be able to like sit there and do the same thing day in day out it was definitely not the right company for people that had that <laughs> that goal in mind if you wanted kind of something new every day it was great because it was there was always something new going on and and obviously lots of changes, you know, every time we bought a new company, we had to integrate their IT staff and suddenly we had to reorganize the the entire IT mm-hmm. like infrastructure teams. And so we would literally, um, I think I was on seven teams over five years. <laughs> so, cause it just changed that frequently, but, but when, it was really good. When you're, when you're young and, and, you know, you, you can, you can handle that type of stuff, right? You're you're up for dynamic work environments and changing what you're doing today for and tomorrow's different and and that type of thing, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I enjoy it. I I don't want to do the same thing every day. That's I that's something you. I I've never been able to you know understand how someone can get into like a you know a monotonous or very routine job where you're just doing the same thing over and over again. So like, you know, a lot of IT is like factory work, and 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 you're you know you're doing you're creating something or or or, you know, following the same process over and over again. And, and I'm not really a big fan of that part of it. I, I prefer to to have, you know, new projects or even change the my technologies I'm working on on a regular basis just so I don't get kind of stuck in a rut. So Centene provided that to me. I and mean, that was the reason I stayed there so long is because I had so many opportunities inside of the company on an ongoing basis. If I got bored of what I was doing, I could change in a, in a minute. So it was it was really... It was really nice and convenient and they treated people well. So, but yeah, definitely a lot of good learning experiences there for sure. Right. So I'm looking at your, your list of things you did at Centene. So we got firewall and anti-malware scrum leader, secure web gateway, lead engineer, scrum master for web security, agile team, lead engineer on SOC tools, team Splunk and Tanium, mm-hmm. um, Splunk architect, uh, with Cribble, um, Splunk Cloud. So a lot, yeah, you did change your stuff a lot. You did change your your kind of role and what you were responsible for and, and working with. So of those things, um, what did you find the most interesting of those those different little sub jobs while you were at uh, at Centene? So uh, while security is my overarching passion, I, I've gotten really into the whole um, SRE and DevOps kind of mindset and, and work methodologies so i've um sre for those that aren't don't know is site reliability engineering uh it's it's kind of a modern google's google's take on devops uh, to some extent where it's basically you're uh um taking people who are engineers or software engineers and putting them into like a traditional ops role so it's a lot of focus on automation and process improvement and reduce reducing um you know unneeded processes and and work uh toil work as they call it so I, I got really into into that, and and so I had a about a six month uh, project where I was actually trying to. I actually stood up a SRE team within the the SOC tools team where we ran the the Splunk and Tanium tools, and so we were basically spent some some time you know reviewing our all of our current processes, identifying things that could be automated, identify processes that were you know, like one-offs that maybe didn't need to be done again, or, you know, even done to begin with, um, reviewing tickets and, and outages and stuff, trying to, trying to identify, uh, trends that may, you know, maybe missed when you're looking at a single outage at by itself. But if you look at all the outages over the course of a year, you might see a trend. Um, so that was a lot of the work we were really focusing on was just trying to, you know, make our tool run more, um, sustainably and, and, without it without less issues but also not with us trying to kill ourselves manually fixing everything so we used a uh, we used ansible to uh to automate a lot of work um so, so you know we could we could build a new splunk server by just clicking a button mm-hmm. and and you know through through ansible and so we would uh you know if something happened with the server we instead of fixing it most often we just started rebuilding it so just click a button and rebuild the server so um 
common to people that are familiar with AWS or Azure work, you know, the, the, the idea is it's, it's, you know, it's, it's cattle, not pets. That's kind of the, the mentality these days for, for, for containers and servers in general is you don't want to keep something long-term. You want to kind of just keep it until it breaks and then you start a new one. So and then, that was and then you make it into a burger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was, that was, a, that was a kind of a side project for me. And it was, it was definitely the more rewarding because we, we were able to save a lot of time and, and, and energy for ourselves and for our teammates by, by implementing some new processes. So, so by doing the, these, these projects and, and these kind of task and process improvement, did you, were you able to capture you know, the, the manpower or the, you know, the reduction in time or cost for labor for some of these improvements that you made? Uh, we never measured it, uh, okay. frankly, but um, no, that was, that was something we were wanting to do. And then we ended up doing a migration to Splunk Cloud and a lot of the stuff we had done ended up getting thrown out anyway. Um, since a lot of the work we were doing was because we were running all these services on-prem and then we migrated to Splunk Cloud and most of what we spent the six months doing ended up getting thrown out. Uh, all, the, all the process improvement stayed, um, yeah, but yeah. The, the actual technical fixes and work were basically gone overnight. So, but you you had, you had figured out how you can best use those yeah. tools to to find, like you said, searching back through and data, you know, anomalies and things like that. And that's what those tools are so good at doing. So, whether you yeah, learn it, definitely. whether you learn it and make those improvements locally or have to migrate it to the cloud, you're still kind of accomplishing yep. the goal of improving. Uh, your insight into what's been going on and trends over over time that you capture. Yeah. The team could feel the difference. And that was really the the big thing was that, you know, we we went from kind of all feeling nonstop busy, you know, never never feeling like we were we were keeping up with the work to to have feeling like we actually had a handle on the work we were doing. Um that was that was really the big win for us was being being able to feel like if our CISO came down with some some you know nude thing that he needed immediately. We didn't feel like we were going to lose focus on something else because we had some cycles to put to devote to those things. So um, that 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 was a big win for us from a team standpoint. Just being able to feel like we could do the work. So good. Didn't never do it. Didn't never do anything to do uh, to take measurables on it or metrics on it. That was that was a goal, but we never got to it. But th yeah, that was um, that definitely uh, it definitely felt like we won regardless. Yeah, so. sure, sure, sure. That's one of the things that I, you know, I I thought back during my career and I learned while working at at Ison, you know, a Japanese owned and Japanese kind of um, mentality uh, or way of way of running the business and and measuring those things, um, you know, I think makes a a big. Uh, it can be very useful in justifying, you know, how important you are. Um, when, mm -hmm. you can, when you can measure those big improvements you, you and your team have made. And that's one of the things I try to kind of suggest students think about, you know, going forward. How did you, how did you, how did you improve things for this project, this, you know, this service, this business, and how can you demonstrate that it was improved from start to finish by measuring it somehow? Yeah. Um, which sometimes you just can't do, but other times uh, you can. And um, so that's why I asked. Um, but but anything else at at Centene that you want to talk about? What was the? I mean, what's the you know the culture at at Centene? Were you remote? Were you working in St. Louis? I, I, or do they still have a Carbondale facility? Um, maybe to all those. So okay. yeah. So when I that that all that basically shifted over the course of my time there. When I started. Uh, our our CEO at the time was was pretty old school and like I we kept ties in our desks because if you had to go to you know any building where there might be anyone over like a certain rank of VP you needed to have it have a tie or pay, possibly even a jacket wow. right so it was when I started it was it was basically we were towing towing the line on whether or not we could needed to dress business professional every day or not so um, we all wore you know slacks and a and a button down every day just in case we throw a tie on. And then by the time COVID hit, we were in like khakis and polos. <laughs> um, and then, and, and, you know, the day before COVID, our work from home policy was non-existent. There was no work from home. Um, it was managers would let you get away with it a little bit. If you had like a doctor's warrant or something you needed to be home for a couple hours for, they'd let you work from home the rest of the day. But uh, there was no official work from home policy at, at Centene. And then suddenly overnight, we went from, having very few people working remotely to, you know, the entire, entire company, you know, 75,000 people working remotely. 
and um you know they we handled it pretty well we made the transition pretty easily but um during that time we discovered proved to the executives that working remotely was uh viable and Centene's one of the larger companies in St. Louis that is still embracing it so yeah they they are a full remote company um selling as many of their properties as possible at the moment um which is ironic because they just built a bunch of new properties in St. Louis. So, oh. um, yeah, I think there's between St. Louis, Sacramento, and um, Charlotte, North Carolina, we had just spent almost two and a half billion dollars on new buildings um, over the last like three years before the COVID, before COVID, and wow. they're closing almost all those buildings now, or trying to sell almost all those buildings. So, so I might uh, be just, able to get a, a a good deal on a on a big office uh, building in in Charlotte if I'm looking. Yeah, it's right near it's right near campus. So uh, if you're looking for some some you know nice place to maybe get some some new student grads out of uh, UNC, it's uh, there's some new real estate up in there. <laughs> All right, keep that in mind. Yeah. So let's move on. And you're you're now after you said how long was it? Eight years? Seven years? F- five years. So five seven years. 2017 to uh, August of 22. So yeah, five and a half years. Okay. Yep. And and now you're you're moved over to a a new company. Worldwide Technologies, and I, I, I've heard about and I've known about WWT for uh, quite a while. I mean, it's another one of those companies that are huge and are in a lot of things that people don't know of yet. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's one of the ones that I'm I'm constantly telling students, hey, check their pages out and see if they've got any opportunities. Um, I've got, you know, I told you I had a couple of good, really good friends that that work there and have been there for quite a while. Um, and, and it's, it's huge. They're doing all sorts of cool tech stuff. You know, they've got, uh, opportunities all over the country. If I, if I recall correctly, definitely do. Um, yeah. And a neat company, it seems like. So, so how, how did you get drawn over to, to there? Were they, was it a specific role that you were interested in or the, the yeah, company so- itself or? I, so I, I, when I was leaving Deloitte, I, I it was my first time I applied to WWT and I applied for a position at their, uh, the North American integration center, which is basically their, their distribution plant for m- most of the products that, that WWT sells. So WWT is the single largest, um, partner for Cisco, Fortinet, Palo, a lot of these major network providers specifically, like we, we are the largest partner for them. We've, mm-hmm. we did Five billion in sales three years in a row, or something with with just for Cisco products. I mean, it's it's a significant amount of product that that WWT pushes. And that's like and, twelve switches, right? Oh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe a couple of the larger like half rack ones, but yeah, you know. <laughs> they uh, so the NAIC is uh, where all that stuff that gets sold through WWT goes, because one of the other over the top benefits that WWT offers that a lot of other, you know. Um, providers and don't do is they actually can pre-configure everything for you. So if you have a you know baseline configuration you want on a switch you just bought, uh, they can you can give us that configuration. We'll load it on the switch and it'll be literally ready to go. Um, but it start you know goes it goes from that level all the way up to we will literally build your data center for you. So um, one of the companies we work with a lot now is is Netscope. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're mm-hmm. a, a SASE um, vendor. Uh, and they, uh, we actually build all their data centers for them and we don't physically do it. We, they literally send us all the gear or we buy all the gear for them. We put it in racks, create the racks up and send them to the data center. So they literally have plug and play racks. You plug it into power, you plug in your network cables and you're going to, and you're done. <laughs> so that's a, that's a service we've done for large, lots of companies. I mean, we've, we've helped Microsoft build some Azure data centers that way. So it's, you know, WWT does a lot on the, the purchasing standpoint. Um, and that's probably what they're most known for. But one of the things that um, they're also we're also trying to work on is is basically becoming kind of a uh, a center of excellence for IT knowledge. So we have a a, a a group internally that's called the Advanced Technology Center or the ATC, um, and that's where I work is the the ATC. So we do a lot of things um, for WWT. So if you go to WWT.com, there's a, there's a lot of free training and and labs that are online. So you can literally get in and have a hands-on lab to learn how to do a specific thing with a specific tool. So um, you want to set up, you know, a a Splunk server, for instance, there's a, there's a lab out there that like runs you through, you know, setting up and getting logs into a Splunk server or setting up a, you know, domain controller or a Cisco, you know, Cisco switch. 
So there's there's a lot of these labs out there, hands-on labs that just anyone can go spin up for free. I mean, you know, any of their students wanted to, they can go out there and, and create a free WWT.com account and, and spin up these labs for free. Um, so that's one of the, that's probably the most public thing that our group does. But one of the things that I'm specifically on is the the lab services team. And we do proof of concepts and uh, lab as a service solutions for, for WWT customers. So we're mostly pre-sales related. So if somebody is interested in buying a new SASE tool, so they want to do a comparison between one of those vendors, then they can have us run the, the proof of concept for them. So we build all the infrastructure that mimics their environment, um, can run their data through that environment with, with test tools. And then we work with the vendors to integrate all their solutions into that environment so we can do a bake-off between multiple vendors. That's that's really the the most of our business that my team does is is really just doing those comparisons. Um, and you know, from a person who's worked do, trying to do proof of concepts in my companies for the last few years, it's it's that's that's harder than you would think because you oh, yeah. being able to put a, a test tool into your even your test environment internal your data center. I mean, it's still risky. You're you're putting an un, an unknown in, into your into your protected environment, and and you have to be kind of cognizant of the risks that entails, and that a lot of times your your leadership aren't willing to take, right? I mean, they they want you to make this deci informed decision, but they, you don't have the opportunity to do it correctly in your environment, especially if you want to have like customer or your or your user traffic running through it, right? It's hard to do that. Exactly. So, I mean, you're you feel like you're putting in a brand new firewall. Uh, there's a lot of things you could screw up just putting it in there right off the bat. You know, yeah. you don't you don't want to spend two painful weeks of fixing and tweaking when you could have your team go ahead and and kind of emulate and set that up and simulate so that they can run their traffic ports, you know, mirror it out and let let it run through there and actually see what happens and how it flags yep. and alerts without without blocking something really important like getting to Facebook or something for all the employees when they're on their lunch hour, right? Yeah. And additionally, I mean, another thing that you can't, that's hard to do from a test perspective is, is, you know, a lot of security tools, especially these days have integrations, right? That's a, that's a big selling point for a lot of manufacturers is what other tools they integrate with. So it's hard, you know, you have, you've spent all this money and all this, all this, these man hours building your existing security tooling environment. And then you want to buy this other tool that supposedly integrates with all these tools, but you don't want to integrate it with your production tooling <laughs> without you know before before you know that you want the tool so that's another thing that you know we can offer that you know it's hard for a customer to do is we have all these relationships with, with all these vendors we can build an environment that has all the integrations you would want and actually can test those integrations for you and show and basically prove to you which tool works best with which other tools so definitely is you know beneficial we've we've done this with other other companies when i was at centene you know there are the companies that offer similar services to this so we've we've done this too and it's you know it, it does make it easier to actually find real world ish results rather than relying on a vendor demo or or just your gut so um definitely cool and i i get a basically now from a you know work perspective you know as i touched on earlier i i like to do new things regularly this is this job kind of give gave me that opportunity i have the ability to basically do on a weekly or even daily basis something completely different than i've ever done before and um in you know neat stuff and neat stuff that maybe is going to help solve problems that companies you know didn't know they have even in certain cases yeah um, yeah for sure that's pretty cool. And I'm just over here. I, I just went to WWT.com slash labs and I'm seeing Palo Alto, NGFW, Cisco, Secure Branch, F5 and uh, Red Hat, uh, AWS, VMware, tons of stuff. I, I had heard about this initiative with WWT from somebody else. Um, I can't remember who, but I had heard about it from another another F, uh, WWT employee because um, I'm finding more and more that there's former students and people that I that I know that are at WWT who I didn't know they're there because you guys yeah. are huge and you're growing still um, and still a private company if I'm right if I'm correct it is yeah it's the largest private second largest private company in St Louis okay. yeah Enterprise still has us beat but oh. yeah well they just rent yep. cars <laughs> yeah you guys, sell a lot too yeah yeah okay. 
Uh, yeah. This is neat stuff. I'm going to have to learn more about this because um, I see for sure some some use of these things and some like my, my enterprise security apps class uh, this semester even. Um, I'm going to have to dig into this. Yeah, um, it's all free too. So it's, you know, literally anyone can go do that. So that is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned you, we need to get somebody from WWT to come down and talk and maybe even come down for the career day. Um, maybe we could talk about that separate if you could help point me in the right spot. Cause I would definitely be happy to, and, and, uh, yeah. and have you talk to some classes too, you know, this is fun as well. Um, this gets out to a wider audience, but maybe we could have you, I've had other, other folks from WWT. My, one of my good buddies is involved with the, um, architecture for the storage side of the cyber bunker stuff you guys are doing mm -hmm. um or he was i think he's maybe not there currently but um anyway a cool company and and i've thought you know if i was going to work in it uh i think that wwt seems sounds like an awesome place to do it um it seems yeah. like it'd be a really fun place to work and they're doing really neat things and 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 that integration center that's the one on the side of the road by edwardson and edwardsville right yeah, literally just um, like a quarter right mile north of where that uh, the Amazon facility got hit by the tornado right. last I, year. Yeah, I see that all the time um, when I go up to, to St. Louis and take my wife to Edwardsville for her job and stuff. So um, very cool. I have um, the five questions because it's 1130. I know that's where we're supposed to end. So let's let's. Have a oh, I'm good. So, yeah, you're good. OK. Yeah. Um, before we go through my, my rapid fire questions. Uh, any any real advice to students um, or anything you know that you learned that you kind of wish you had known earlier? Um, that kind of question is is one that I think students typically want to hear. Uh, if you've got any words of wisdom, yeah, I think the biggest one I, I give to people typically is, um, especially people that have come through uh, education to get to their career instead of just you know, starting on like a help desk spot or something. Uh, people tend to feel like when they're done with school, they're done learning. And I, I see two types of people in, in IT that have gone through the schooling. You see the people that feel that way and they get stuck pretty easily in, in a certain, in a single spot or don't feel like they're, or don't find themselves getting promoted or, you know, as being as marketable because IT doesn't stop growing and changing. Uh, you, you know, just because you're done with school doesn't mean something's changed. I mean, frankly, the stuff that you're learning in school probably has changed before you've learned it in school. I mean, a lot in a lot of cases because those yeah. textbooks are printed, right? And your learn your material has been printed, and 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 now you're learning it maybe months or years later, and it's different. So that doesn't change once you graduate. You need to be able to learn and continue learning. And unfortunately, a lot of companies don't offer the opportunity for you to do that on the job. So um, it's kind of the onus is kind of on you to, to, to be willing to, to, if you want to move on in your career from where you're at and your company doesn't give you the opportunity, you need to do it. You're on your own. Um, I know a lot of people run home, home labs. That's, you know, I have a home lab at home and I, I tend to use that for stuff that I can't do at work. Um, or maybe if I'm wanting to change positions a little bit, change my focus area, I, I may spend that up at home and just so I can get some hands-on experience with whatever I'm wanting to do. Um, but that's that's I think that's really key. If for from a career standpoint, if you want to stay in IT for a long a long time, if you want this to be your career until you retire, then you can't stop learning. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. a big thing that I feel is a major pitfall for people. But um, right. and it's and it's easy if you get into a company that isn't a IT company per se, but a company that you come in and you're doing a you know a tech or an engagement role tech support level one level two and and you can just stay there and sometimes people are happy doing that but you know you sure. may also you know to the people you work for you may just be the guy that's going to stay there until you make noise and say that you want to do something different or learn something different or makes you know, make a change um and i actually had a student um who just sent me a message on linkedin yesterday who is i saw his his uh his his job was like a tech support too and he told me how he's been wanting to move to cybersecurity. And he told me about a couple of the the, the, the things he's been doing, like try hack me and hack in the box and a couple mm -hmm. of those things and asked me what else he could do. And I said, hey, I'm talking to this dude from WWT and they've got some lab stuff coming online. 
uh, maybe there's something there. So I got to get back to him and share him this link, um, see what yeah. might be available for him. But for sure, you definitely have to, you know, your career is what you make it um, in a lot of cases and, and learning, you're like, yeah, learning never stops, never stops. Um, yeah. And you hit on something else there too, saying the career is what, what you make it. That's, that's something else that I feel like a lot of people were, the, I think the two biggest areas are people fail is that they stop trying or stop learning, but also they expect something to be given to them from like a, like a promotion, for instance, like, and that happens for sure. You get promoted sometimes because you've earned it and without having to ask for it, but that's not always the case. And if, if you want change in your career, uh, if you want to keep, if you want to move up, if you want to change jobs, it's up to you. You, you're the only person responsible for your career. And, you know, that's actually something that I think that was really cool about Deloitte. They hammer that home. Like networking at Deloitte is a major component. They actually like teach you how to network. If you're and like you a new employee talking, there, talking, making connections with people, not yeah, like socially cases. networking, yeah, like yeah. like building building your personal or professional network. Um, so you know what LinkedIn kind of does, right? But but taking mm-hmm. it further and actually you know having relationships with people and knowing like who you can talk to, you know, a lot of my career movement has happened because of that. So I I went to Centene because of a friend that I knew that went there had a job opening and asked me to come over and the same thing with WWT. Frankly, I three, three friends that I worked with at, at Centene that I was on this, on the security engineering team with had moved over already to WWT and they've been hassling me for two years to come over. And I had been happy with Centene, but finally it started to get to the point where I was needing a change. And um, they mentioned to me again, there was a new job opening and I took it this time. So, you know, that, that's a big thing is you know know, knowing who you know helps helps your career a lot but also just knowing that you are the only person who cares about your own career right is because you're you're not going to be just be handed a job you're not going to be just you know just because you know something you gotta you gotta go do the work and and then if you don't want to change go out and apply for jobs i mean you know loyalty i know was a thing that you know like our parents used to talk about being loyal to companies be loyal to yourself. That's that's more important than anything because you're the only person that can be loyal to yourself. Yeah, and I mean, in in this space, it's it it has changed in the way that that people you know do work for a few years and move on. And if they start and they don't like the job, they're not afraid to leave right away. Um, and and yeah. there's there's this this you know poaching of people from one place to another happens, you know, and it's it's almost uh, you know part of the deal now. Um, unless you're unless you're an IT professor and then you just kind of sit in the same role Um, (laughs) nobody nobody wants to come and give you extra money to do you know more professoring or anything Uh, I mean I can give I give you a heads up if there's any openings to WWT if you want if that's what you're saying (laughs) something in the professoring role I'd be you know that's what I've been doing for 15 years now yeah so Um, all right let's do these rapid fire questions are you ready sure so uh, what's your favorite kind of food or cuisine places to eat? You're up in the Metro East. What do you, what do you like? What do you like to recommend? And, and, uh, bonus points if it's a new restaurant up in, you know, Edwardsville or since I'm going there tomorrow. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, it's a chain, but I definitely highly recommend it if you like barbecue, uh, at Lee's barbecue in, uh, in Edwardsville and, uh, you know, Fallon is really good. Hey, spell that. Uh, yeah, you're going to make me look it up here. Cause I don't remember how to spell it. Uh, E D L E Y S. Um, there's, there's one in Glen Carbon and one in O'Fallon. All right. And it's actually a Nashville chain. Uh, that there's like four locations in Nashville and then like two in the St. Louis area now. And there they have this Nashville hot barbecue. And so it's like Nashville hot chicken, but they do like a pulled pork with it. And it's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. It's spicy, but it's they literally like marinate it in habanero pepper mash for 24 hours before they smoke it okay so it's quite good definitely recommend it at least but uh typically i don't know sushi still my favorite food so there's a couple good sushi restaurants in in the city for sure so uh oishi's down in the chesterville valley is probably my favorite um and that's uh they also have a uh, it's also a teppanyaki so if you like that like tabletop like hibachi style show that they also have that as well but their sushi is phenomenal awesome very cool. So um, are there any books, any movies, uh, TV shows, podcasts, anything that you have gotten into recently that you'd recommend? doesn't have to be tech, um, just something you've enjoyed and, and want to recommend to people. 
Sure. Yeah. On the uh, tech side, uh, I think you've mentioned this on a podcast before, but the uh, the Phoenix Project and then the Unicorn Project books, uh, I think those should be required readings for anyone going into the IT career field. Um, at least the Phoenix Project should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Darknet Diaries is, is probably my favorite podcast at the moment still. Um, just a really cool, cool uh, podcast that uh, bi-weekly or weekly even. He, he talks to people in the security field and, and uh, you know, goes over their careers or goes over like some of the cooler things they've done. A lot of it's like people that have done like offensive security. So it's, it's some interesting, you know, heist like storytelling um but those are probably my two favorite tech stuff tech related topics um on the personal side i've been reading uh a book called the way of kings by brandon sanderson and um it's a series of books called the uh uh i can't remember it's called the stormlight archive uh it's a four book series um fantasy so not everybody's into it and their books are like five, 1500 pages each so definitely oh a long God. reads but they're they're quite they're quite good um tv show i just got into a tv show called the taskmaster it's a british uh game show where they uh it's this it's a bunch of comedians competing against each other doing random tasks like literally like draw draw a circle with this two by four on pavement or stuff like it's it's literally like these obnoxious and, and stupid tasks for them to do and compete against each other with and it's it's quite entertaining watching a bunch of comedians fail at doing these kind of childish tasks okay so and I'm it's got full of british out. full of british humor if you like that <laughs> i'll have to see if i like that i'm not sure but that that gives me something to look at thank you yep uh okay so is there an area of technology um that you have kind of like on your radar either for personal or work stuff that you want to get into that you ha- want to learn more about that's kind of, you know, mm. caught your eye, anything like that. So I did a really cool, perfect concept uh, here a couple weeks ago for a company that's related to uh, deception technologies. Um, and I've not done a lot with those in the past. So that, that's something I'm definitely very interested in right now. Um, they are, Basically, if you remember, we're like honey pots, honey nuts. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like the 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 evolution of those technologies to you know literally putting like markers and files and things all over your network on legit sources. So like dropping a file, a hidden file on a you know on ten random people's desktops that are like high profile people. So like people that might have domain admin credentials or something that you know might be big targets, and literally just clicking that file creates an alert. So, or like filling, populating Active Directory with a bunch of dummy users or groups. So where if somebody tries to log in to a system with a, one of those credentials, you know, that they've probably probed your Active Directory, have a list of them, see that this is a quote unquote domain admin user, and they're trying to access, you know, something with it and that sets off a red flag. So um, really cool technologies. Um, there's, there's two or three vendors that are competing pretty heavily in that, in that field. And, but right. it, it was definitely really... Uh, yeah, so uh, Sentinel One uh, okay. and uh, um, Zscaler are the two that I just did the uh, a couple um, the, the proof of concept with, and they were both pretty. Is getting well known for the the SaaS tools, but they're they're getting into a lot of other areas like deception. So um, definitely is a cool product. And if you have Zscaler already, your company integrates nicely with it. And Sentinel One is a uh, yeah, you know, like CyberR or not CyberR, but uh, um, like it's a anti malware, like a modern anti malware right, that yeah. they're adding some other features to it. So, okay. What do you see yourself doing five years from now? What would you like to be up to? Where would you like to be? What would you like to be doing? I I have no idea, Tom. Honestly, uh, okay. If Centene, uh, I probably would have uh, said I would probably be a senior architect at Centene. Um, I don't know, man. Now I'm I'm really I this 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 job i'm in now just feels like one of those ones I can, i'm kind of comfortable in for a while just because there's a lot of new things and new toys i get play with on a daily basis so i uh i don't know um there's there's growth within the, the the job i'm in so probably at least you know promoted to the next level of architect at this on this team but uh i don't know we'll see <laughs> five years okay. is a long time in it it's hard, to, hard for me to predict that well i'm glad i didn't ask 10 years <laughs> yeah yeah uh just i'm just happy to hopefully my kids and family are happy that's my that my five-year goals are mainly around that awesome anything, so i think you'll make those so last question uh if you could retire today money was no object you and your family could be doing anything you want what would it be 
Uh, I would love to just get an RV and travel personally. So um, just, just travel around the country. Um, I wish there were roads to Europe and stuff. So I could take an RV over there too, but uh, you know, I would, I would love to just do, just travel and wake up in a different place on a daily basis. But that sounds fun. That does sound fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this talk. Um, this episode of the tell me about your tech job podcast. Thank you, Travis uh, Cooper, who now is with WWT. I appreciate your time. It's been a lot of fun. One of my, you know, students who I'm I'm really happy to be connected with still, um, and and see you doing such cool stuff, and and you know, having a great little family and and living life well. So, uh, congratulations for for all your success up to this point, and 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 future success that I'm sure is coming up. Thanks, Tom, and I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast and. Um, you know, frankly, you're, you're one of those people that I probably can credit most of my success to. So much appreciated. Thank you, Travis. I'll have this podcast episode coming up. I got one other, I got you going first. Uh, and, uh, then, then we'll, we'll put it out there. I'll put it out there. So I will give you a heads up. Thank you. I appreciate for, it. Thanks for talking to us. All right. All right I'm thank going you. to 